tried really hard to encapsulate this. If you're, if you're bored and you want to really read something, go check out the Athanasian Creed. You can even Google it now if you want, but he like covers all the bases like a theological lawyer trying to make sure that we've got it covered here. Um, but all of our attempts to quantify the Trinity and reduce it to this concrete, empirically discerned entity fall short. And one of the wonderful things about God is that some things remain a mystery. Some of us are okay with that. Others of us struggle with that a little bit more, but it doesn't change the fact that some things remain a mystery. <laughs> and somewhat of the Trinity is a, is a mystery, but we can grasp some aspect and understanding of um, what the Trinity means to us through what Jesus prays. And we alluded to it last week a little bit in John chapter 17. Um, I ran across a, an interesting illustration that I just had to share with you today. It was uh, by a, an author named Leslie Flynn. And uh, he describes unity this way. He says, two chickens tied at the legs and thrown over a clothesline may be united, but they do not have unity. <laughs> just imagine, those of you that raise chickens, like the flopping and squawking that would ensue of these two chickens in close proximity hanging over a clothesline. But... Definitely not unified, right? <laughs> uh, you know, um, in our uh, upcoming membership guidelines vote, which is included along with the bylaws and the statement of faith, there's one section in there that says, I will protect the unity of my church by, and then it gives a few different things. You know, I don't have to tell you that unity is really important in the body of Christ, and not just in, you know, like the local expression. Uh, like here at Brownsville, but in the wider church as well, unity is really important. Satan may not be able to touch the souls of Christians, but he sure can work in our midst to scatter and to divide. And he does so pretty successfully in a lot of cases. Without unity, we are robbed of our effectiveness to be the body of Christ. Uh, John chapter 17, if you want to turn there with me, uh, you, might, you might want to, or maybe you already know it by heart. It's Jesus' high priestly prayer, the night that he was handed over to suffering and death. Verses 20 to 24, Jesus is praying for those that are gathered with him at the table, and he is praying for us, sitting here in these pews today, all these years later. John chapter 17, starting at verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me, and I loved them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, 
because you loved me before the foundation of the world. There's so much time we could spend on that little piece. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Jesus is praying for them and for us, and he is setting unity before us as a very high priority. And it's not just any unity, but that we as the body of Christ would have the same unity as the Holy Trinity. That's incredible and humbling all at the same time. I mean, what a beautiful vision, yet we don't have to look very far to see how perhaps we've fallen slightly short of that goal, right? A lot of us might be familiar with uh, more of an organizational unity. Anybody that works for a company, I, I remember when I was in high school, I was a, an intern in an engineering company, and I think it was at that time we were trying to be ISO 9000 certified. And, you know, yeah, right? So, yeah, we were aligning our processes and all this to a certain standard so that a certain product output expectation could be given. And there were flow charts and orders of operation and all this stuff. And it was a great organizational, like, heavy lift. There was lots of talk about getting everybody on the bus or all rowing in the same direction, you know? Uh, all these great things, and being a team player and, and whatnot. And these, this is all important, and these are effective business models that, that produce. And some of these things can be applied to unity in the church, but it falls woefully short of the unity that Jesus is telling us that we need to have was, you know, as compared to the unity of the, Holy, of the Holy Trinity. It doesn't stop with this sort of earthly organizational flow. If we do, we just have an organization like anybody else, right? But the church, the walls could go away, the building could be gone, but you would still be Brownsville Community Church, right? Um, the church is so different because we are called to live by a different code than the world. And it is a code that is impossible for us to live into without the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus prays that we may be one as the Trinity is one. So our unity is supposed to be a reflection of the Trinity. Just as the Father is in me and I are in you, uh, I am in you. The unity of the Trinity is perfect in every way, right? It is holy, it is powerful, it is wonderful, and it is impossible for us to attain if we just try it on our own human strength. Unity, this holy unity that we're talking about is the reflection of our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus says that they may also be in us. We experience this unity through relationship with Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. This holy unity is also a testimony to the lost world all around us. Jesus prays that the world may believe that you sent me. This kind of unity will rock the world. 
because it will be so different from the worldly kind of unity. And it testifies to the power and the glory of God. This unity is a product of the glory of God in us. Jesus makes that clear. So we are reflecting the unity and the glory of God. Whether we're doing a great job of it or not, <laughs> you know, but it's only by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and through holy means that we are granted um, the ability to walk in this. If we try to do it in our own strength, it's going to fall flat. Just go to a contentious church meeting. You'll see what I mean, right? I mean, it does, we don't have to go very far to look. Unity as a human effort always fails. It is divine empowerment that brings this about. You know, think about Pentecost. It was just last Sunday we celebrated it. It was the Holy Spirit that held the believers together as one. Back in Acts 2.46, it said, Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts. And we have this vision of the church. And it's not a disjointed mess. It's this wonderful unity that is brought together, reflecting the unity of the Trinity, empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's quite a thing. It is not us doing things in our own power that brings the kingdom. This unity in the body comes from the holy humility of laying down our lives, our wills, our pride, our desires to allow the Holy Spirit to bring through us his kingdom here on earth is what will unify us against the things that seek to divide us. So it's interesting when we think about it, the, the point of Jesus' prayer for unity wasn't that we would all get along in our meetings or at church suppers. It was very clearly, so that the world may believe you have sent me. This is directly related to walking out and fulfilling the Great Commission, which we just heard read in the Gospel lesson today. We cannot fulfill our purpose, we cannot be the body of Christ, and we cannot live out the Great Commission if we are not unified in holy, Christ-centered, spirit-empowered unity. This holy unity, when at work in the body of Christ, makes us unstoppable when it comes to baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, going forth to all nations as we are commanded to do. In organizations, secular ones, people often try to you know, identify a mission statement and have this purpose statement and then have all of the efforts aligned to that statement so they can kind of weed out what doesn't uh, agree with that or support the statement. Churches have tried to follow suit with that, and there is some good in that, as long as we don't forget that we're not doing it as an organization, we're doing it as an organism, the body of Christ. And so when we know the purpose that God has for us, and when we unite to walk towards that purpose, those petty things that seek to divide us will fall away 
as so much less important than we originally thought they were. You know, when we unite under the cross of Christ, it makes us united in purpose, under the same banner of the proclamation of the gospel that pulls us together. We're united in prayer as we're all praying into the coming of the kingdom of God. And really, this holy unity, uh, as brought through relationship with Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, is part of why the church has thrived through millennia, despite circumstances to the contrary. You know, think of all the reasons why organizationally the church should fail. <laughs> it's the power of the Holy Spirit, the, the original birther of the church, that is carrying us and propelling us forward in spite of our weakness and our warts, right? Think of that old hymn, Faith of Our Fathers Living Still in Spite of Dungeon, Fire, and Sword. Oh, how our hearts beat high with joy whene'er we hear that glorious word. That glorious word is the gospel that unites us and pulls us together, has our differences fall away as we press forward in mission, in unity with what God has called us to do. So I don't have to tell you that we as a church are in a pivotal time, right? We have a vote coming up this week uh, at the annual conference, and then we have our own vote to adopt the statement of faith and bylaws. These were all opportunities for there to be disunity. They were all opportunities for things to fall apart and fly apart, but they haven't. And I believe it's because we're walking the path God has called us to. We are unified in direction, in purpose. We're laying down ourselves and we're trying to lift Jesus up. And as long as we keep doing that, we're going to be able to hear the leading of the Holy Spirit. Upcoming, you know, we have a period of discernment where we prayerfully are going to be deciding where to align as a church with a larger body. And... We are unifying under the gospel of Christ. And so it is my prayer that may we do so with the humility of Jesus, who humbled himself on the cross, in the power of the Holy Spirit, even as we show the glory of God the Father through the unity of the Holy Trinity. In the name of Christ. Amen. Amen.